We're now in week two of this message series that we're doing called Christian Atheist. And just to recap, like what the heck does Christian Atheist mean? Um, you guys all know what an atheist is. Someone who goes, I don't believe in God. I only believe in science. Take not, not your Libre. Um, no, science is rad because God made it. That's a whole nother message. But it's, an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. They have no faith in a higher power. Um, they really believe in only what they can see around them and what they can explain through science without putting faith in something beyond it. Um, so what is a Christian atheist? A Christian atheist is it's someone who believes in God. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God but acts as if God doesn't exist. It's someone who believes in God, but the way that they live shows that they really, truly in their heart don't really acknowledge that he exists that much. Um, Last week, we talked about people who believe in God but don't know him. And if that was you last week, I hope that you prayed and that this week you've been asking God, Lord, I want to know you more. Tonight, we're talking about people who believe in God but don't fear him. Uh, People who believe in God but they don't have a sense of fear or respect for him. Next week, we're gonna talk about people who believe in God but they don't wanna go overboard for the whole Jesus thing. And then on the fourth week, we're gonna talk about people who believe in God but they don't fully trust him. And I think as Christians, it's really easy for us to all fall into one of those categories, if not more. So this week, we're talking about fear. This week, I believe in God, but I don't fear him. And like, just right off the bat, because I don't want to be confusing, (laughs) confusing, Um, man, I can't talk. Um, Right off the bat, because I don't want to be confusing, um, I want to define like, what do I mean by the fear of the Lord? Here's what I mean. I don't mean being terrified of God. I mean, respecting him. I mean, having like a deep, like in your heart, a deep rooted respect for the Lord where you look at him like he is your highest authority, like he is the one you respect the most, like he is the one that you admire the most and love the most. That is the fear of the Lord. And you know, three out of four Americans statistics say believe in God. Three out of four Americans would say, oh yeah, I believe in God. But the question is, do three out of four Americans really live with a fearful respect of God? And I think you guys could all answer that. Like, no, obviously not. Three out of four Americans are not walking around with this deep fear of the Lord. Their actions, and sometimes our actions say, I believe in God, but I don't really believe in him. Um, Last week, we talked about cultural Christianity. And cultural Christianity, what that means is it's, it's basically like you believe everything your culture believes, you go along with everything your culture says, but you bring God along for the ride. You're not along for what God wants to do. You just want to bring him in. As an American Christian, a lot of times this is what we do. We want God to be on our team. We want God to be on our side. It's as silly as two Christian schools playing a football game and both teams playing are praying, you know, Lord, make us win. It's like, you're both Christian schools. Like, I don't, like, does God just make the football team that sinned the most that week lose? Like, how does that work? What's the metric system on that? I don't know. Um, we should not be cultural Christians. But today I want to talk about customized Christianity, customized Christianity. What that is, is it's basically saying we believe in God, but we want to take the parts of God that we like and reject the rest. We want to take the parts of God that we really like and we want to throw out the rest because we don't really fear him. Um, Does anyone remember when like frozen yogurt first came out? Like when it got super popular? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was like 2011. I I remember I was taking Brooklyn to the airport and 
I got lost because I'm terrible with directions. Those of you guys who have driven with me know. And I, so I got lost in, where was I, Brooklyn, San Diego? Yeah, I was in downtown San Diego. I'm driving around and I look up and there with like pink glowing lights. I can't remember what it was. It was like, Pinkberry. N- no, it wasn't Pinkberry. Pinkberry is bomb though. It was, it was like, it was so pink. It was just some frozen yogurt thing. I'd never seen it before. And I was like, oh, glowing lights. I'll go inside. And I walk inside and I'm like, what the heck? There's like a billion flavors and a billion topics. And I could choose them. And like, this is even better than Cold Stone. There was so many choices. I was, I was just customizing. I put way too much in. Like I literally put every candy bar available into like, it was like soup. It was like ice cream yogurt soup. It was nasty. I got a stomach ache, but I was in love with frozen yogurt for quite a time. We're in the age though of like customization. Like we, we always like to customize things. Like there's even shoe brands right now that let you customize your shoes. There's toilet paper that you can customize. Like, if you want, you can order toilet paper with your face on it, which seems really disrespectful to yourself. Yeah, um, you can get your own bobblehead if you want. Has anyone ever ordered a bobblehead of somebody? I think that's a great idea. If we were like a rich youth group, I would make a bobblehead of every single one of you guys and just put it on my desk. And then whenever I was like mad at one of you guys one day, I would just like hit the bobblehead over and over again. Um, just kidding, I don't get mad. Um, girls. You probably would like to customize a boyfriend. Just specify them exactly what you want. Go on match.com and enter what you want. You know, I want a boyfriend who likes, who's romantic, a boyfriend who travels, he likes old movies, he writes poetry while serving meals to the poor by candlelight on horseback. I want him to be blonde, six feet tall, 175 pounds, and I want him by Friday. Maybe that's what you girls are thinking. Um, and then there's Sonic. Have you guys ever been to Sonic? Did you guys know that Sonic has, with their slushies, their, what do they call them, slushies? Is it slushes? I, I don't know what they're called, but they're, they're like signature drinks. You can get 3.5 million varieties of those drinks. Like that's how, they cycle them through. They have different options, but there's about 3.5 different potential drinks you can make at Sonic. At Starbucks, we like our different drinks. You can go in and say, you know, I want a custom drink, a grande, half-calf, vanilla, extra hot, mochaccino with caramel drizzled light whipped cream on top. I don't even know what I'm talking about because I don't drink coffee. So I had to make up some random drink. Here's the thing though. The problem is when we take this same mentality to God, when we want to customize so many different things in our life, where we just want to customize God, we want to make a God in our image. Instead of realizing that we're made in his image, we want to make God in our image. We say, yeah, I want God's love. I'll take that. But God's wrath? Uh, No, I don't want anything to do with that. We say, I want God's mercy, but God's judgment? No, I will pass on that. I want God's blessing, but carrying my cross, like dying daily to my flesh. Uh, no, sorry. I, I, I don't want that. There's parts of the Bible that we love. Like we read, you know, all things work together for good for me. Yeah. For me, like that's what I want. I want the Bible just to work together for me. We say, uh, we read in the Bible, it says, I can do all things. And it's like, yes, I love this verse. I can do all things. I can totally just go sin and do what I want. That's what, that's called taking Bible verses out of context. We read in the Bible verses like judge not. And someone comes to us and says, hey, I love you, man, but you're kind of struggling this area. And it's like, hey, judge not lest you be judged. We love those parts of the Bible that seem to support what we want to do. But then Bible verses on sexual purity, it's like, ah, eh, nah, I'll pass. That's like really outdated. 
that's really behind the times. It's not very progressive. I, I just want to kind of do what I want to do. Bible verses on obeying your parents. No, I, I don't think I have to do that. I mean, doesn't God just really want me to go to church? Isn't that what kind of gets me off free for the rest of the week? And then I can go home and disrespect my parents. Uh, parts of the Bible about serving God with all of your life. And you think, yeah, that's great. But the weekends are mine. That is my time. That's when I get to do what I want to do. I live for myself on the weekends. Often we ignore what we don't love in the Bible, the verses and even the stories sometimes that confuse us or freak us out or just are plain written in a way where it's showing us a mirror, like that dark mirror into our soul and we see the sin in our life. We go, I'm just gonna skip over this part. I wanna hear more about how God loves me and accepts me no matter what. The the reality is, guys, if we're honest, a lot of us, we want God to serve us. We don't wanna serve God. We want a God that serves us. Not only a God that saves us, but a God that makes us come comfortable and a God that takes away all our problems. Instead of us serving God, we want him to serve us. This is because for a lot of us, we believe in God, but we don't fear him. You know, um, have you guys ever been chased down by the neighbor's dog down here? Anybody? Anyone ever been attacked by that? uh, It's like a pit bull. You know what I'm talking about? Josh Youngerman and Josh Robinson got attacked by it once. Um, my neighbor, the guy who I told you, who's like a snake wrangler, like when I had that snake in my house, he's like, oh, let me see that snake. And he grabbed it and he's like, oh, look at this. And he's like waving it in our face. Um, it's old Danny is his name. He's got these two crazy pit bulls. And sometimes I go to take my trash and like he, they don't have leashes, they don't have collars and they'll just come and start like biting you and attacking you. It's so scary. I, I literally sometimes drive down my hill in my car just to see if his dog is out so I can know it's safe to take out my trash because I'm a coward. Um, but you know, there's, there's another dog in this neighborhood. You guys know uh, Keith, the guy who yells at us? Yeah, Keith, love Keith. Um, yeah, so Keith has this like sweet little basset hound and she looks like she's like permanently pregnant all the time just and just sad droopy eyed like long ears that touch the floor she just comes out and and literally the difference between those two dogs I'm so scared of Danny's pit bulls but literally like that old pregnant basset hound could do anything to me and I'd just be like oh this is adorable she could like be biting me I'd be like that is the cutest thing I've ever seen it's like almost like there's no teeth there's no threat you know here's the reality God is powerful God is full of justice and 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 he is full of like he punishes sin God is big and, and powerful and he's someone to honestly like you don't want to trifle with him. But once we get saved and we're, we've got that like get out of hell free card, it's almost like we think we've declawed God. We think we've taken out his teeth and it's like, oh, what up now, God? I have Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Like I can just sin and do whatever I want. A lot of times we're not really thinking that, but that's what we're telling God with our actions. We're treating God like we view him like that old basset hound. Like we're not really aware of how powerful and worthy of worship and of obedience he is. And how disrespectful is that? He chose to love us. He didn't have to. And we treat him this way with our sin. You know, in Psalm 36, David writes about humanity's wickedness. And he's kind of getting down on others' wickedness. But David would find out, you guys know the story of David. He finds out eventually he's really, really wicked as well. Um, He was a sinner, just like all of us. And so David writes this passage in Psalm 36 that just speaks to everyone, himself included, myself included, and you. This verse speaks about us. Look at Psalm 36, verse 1. 
David writes this psalm. He says, an inner sanctuary is within my heart about the disobedience of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, too much to detect and hate his own sin. Guys, sin, what it does is it whispers to the wicked. Who's the wicked? It's us. We're sinners. Sin whispers to us in our wicked natural state. What does it say? It says, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Sin whispers to you and says, hey, just do what you want. Do what makes you feel good. Sin says, this will make you happy. What David is talking about is people who have no fear of God before their own eyes. This is crazy. Look at verse one. I think that's a crazy wording. An inner sanctuary is within my heart about the disobedience of the wicked. He's saying there's this place in my heart that's basically a temple, a sanctuary to wickedness. Like just, you know, like you guys know, like church is where we go to worship the Lord, right? But in the old days of the Bible, they had these pagan temples where you'd go to worship idols. You know, a lot of times we've got those temples in our heart. We've got those sins that we go to where instead of worshiping Jesus, we're worshiping, honestly, Satan. That's what idolatry is. You might not be burning cats. I I don't sacrifice cats in this pit, but when I sin willingly, what I'm doing is I am worshiping Satan in my heart. Maybe not with words, but with my actions. I'm choosing who I'm following in that moment. David talks about in verse one, he says, there's no fear of God before his eyes. No fear of God before your eyes. You know, sometimes fear is good, guys, right? Because it stops us. If you're about to walk off a cliff, like what stops you? It's fear. You know that that cliff is coming. So you're like, I'm afraid of falling to my death. And so fear stops you. You know, when I was in New Zealand, they had these electrical fences everywhere, but they didn't have signs that said they were electric fences. So I would try to go underneath these fences and I got electrocuted like five times. It was gnarly. I like rolled around, fell on a pile of horse poop. It was not fun. Would have been great if there was a sign so I could have feared the electric fence. You know, guys, listen, the wicked have no fear of God to help them see what's right in front of them, the truth, the truth about who Jesus is and the truth about their own sin. Guys, listen, I'm not talking about people out there, like the bad kids, and we're here at church and we're talking about the bad kids. I'm talking about us. In our wickedness, when we struggle with sin, guys, sin blinds you and you can't see what's right in front of you. You can't see that you're walking into the fire. You can't see that you're walking into trouble. Guys, verse three, look at it. It says, um, for, or verse, uh, verse two, for he flatters himself in his own eyes. It's talking about a wicked person. It's talking about us. For he flatters himself in his own eyes too much to detect and hate his own sin. Guys, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to where I've tried to confront them about their sin. And there's just this self-confidence they have where they say, you know what, I'm fine. I've got this together. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I've been that same way myself. Sin causes us to be self-confident in our own power, which is nothing. It can't do anything for us. We'll always fail. And when we're self-confident in ourselves, and we say, you know what, I'm fine with that temptation. I can handle it. One of the biggest lies that Satan will tell you is you can handle that temptation. You don't need accountability. You don't need help from another person. You don't need prayer. Just keep it to yourself. Fix it yourself. That's a big problem for us guys. We like to fix things on our own, our own problems, instead of humbly bringing it before the Lord. We become blind to our own wickedness. And guys, sin is a disease. And I realized a long time ago that I'm just as sick as anybody else. I'm a pastor, but I don't consider myself more holy than anyone else. I, I consider myself like Paul, the chief of sinners. I know my own sin. I know who I am without Jesus. And I don't like that person. 
It is only through the grace of God that I can stand before you guys and say that I'm clean and that I'm forgiven for my sins. And and that's what Jesus offers all of us. So God calls us to hate sin, guys. Do you hate sin? Like when was the last time that you sinned and the way that you responded was not, I better cover this up. I better make sure mom and dad don't find out. I better just forget this and move on because I don't wanna think about negative thoughts. When was the last time you looked at your sin and you hated it for what it was? You looked at your sin and you said, this is destructive to my life. This is against what God has for me. And you, you, you hated it. God has called us to hate sin like we hate cancer. If we had it, we would hate what it was doing to our body. But so many times sin, instead of hating it, we just let it eat at our soul and sweep it under the rug. And we don't really wanna think about it because it's not really fun to think about our problems. A lot of us, myself included, we like to think about the good things. We like to think about what are people saying about me that are good? What compliments have I been getting? Like, how do people see me? Like, what's my public perception? Like, am I cool? Do I fit in? Does everyone like me? We, we obsess over these things through social media. We obsess over our image. And at school, you obsess over how do people perceive me? But how much thought do we give? How, what, what does God think of me right now? And, and what does God think of my sin? Is God concerned? Does God care? Should I care? Do we think about these things? The reason a lot of times we don't, guys, is because our flesh loves sin and sin is constantly whispering to our hearts. Sin whispers things like, it's your life. This is no big deal. Don't take that God stuff so seriously. Save that for Wednesdays. The rest of the week is yours. You know what? It's your body. Do what you want with it. It whispers things like, don't let them judge you. Don't let them impose their Christian values on you. Sin whispers, do what you want. It won't hurt anyone. It's just you. It's just you. This doesn't affect anyone. It's just you. Sin whispers to the wicked and he says it won't hurt anyone. And it is one of the biggest lies of the enemy. Listen, guys, we can believe in God and not fear him. We can believe in God and not have a respect for who he is. We can fail to take him seriously. Fear is something that we need, not terror of God, but respect for who he is. Here's my question. Is this verse talking to you? Are you, do you hear the Holy Spirit right now? I know this series is kind of intense, but it's called Christian Atheist. Like, it's not like a, like, let's talk about how great we are. This is challenging stuff that I need to hear as well. Is this verse talking to us? Is it talking to me? Is it talking to you? Is it talking to those of us here in the circle who are trying to customize our Christianity? Are we, think about it. Are you blind? Are you blind? Are you blind to your self-centeredness? Are you blind to your lack of self-control? Are you blind right now to your lack of honest, true respect for God? Do you believe God exists but not really fear him? That's the question for tonight. So let's talk about fear of the Lord. What does that mean, fear of the Lord? You know, it can be a tricky subject to talk about fear of the Lord because it brings up some weird images. Like years ago, it was, you know, you think of preachers. Like I think, have you guys ever heard of the Westboro Baptist Church? No? These guys are gnarly. Like they... Like, what? They sound English, the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, no, but they're not English. Um, they're very American. And um, they basically are so obsessed with the wrath of God and not the love of God that they, like, will picket 
soldiers' funerals or, or um, they'll go, you know, to like a funeral of a gay person and hold up a sign that says God hates gay people and stuff like that. Like they're just consumed with the wrath of God and, and how much God hates sin. They don't just hate sin, they hate the sinner. And this is what we think of sometimes. When we think of fearing God, like putting the fear of God in your heart, we, we think of angry preachers talking about fire and brimstone saying, you're going to hell, turn or burn. And that's how a lot of us think. And then, but you know, nowadays it's kind of swung like the pendulum has swung a little bit more this way. And, and, and there's a lot of people who would say, oh no, 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 that's not who God is. That's, that's mean God. You know, God is so loving and kind. He lets you do whatever you want. Like sin, who cares? God will forgive you tomorrow. Guys, listen, God is a God of justice and he's a God of love and mercy. It's two sides to the coin. It's two sides to God's nature. And if you focus on just one of those, you're gonna clearly miss out on who God is as revealed through Jesus Christ. Guys, if you ever wanna wonder how God is, if you you ever wanna wonder who God is, look at Jesus. He is the ultimate revelation of Yahweh's character and heart. It's through his son, Jesus. Two sides of the same coin. For instance, I am a youth pastor, and I'm also a husband. So like when I'm teaching at youth group, does that mean I'm not a husband in those moments? No, I am. And when I'm at home with my wife and we're watching movies, like does that mean I'm not a youth pastor? No, I still pray for you guys. I don't ever stop being one of the two things. I'm, I'm, it's two sides of who I am. And it's important to view God the same way. He is always full of justice. Like he never stops being a God of justice. What that means is he looks at things that are wrong and he says, I'm gonna make this right. I'm gonna make this right. But the amazing thing about God's justice is he chose from the minute Adam and Eve sinned in Eden, God made a choice and he said, what kind of God am I gonna be? A God of justice who goes and eternally focuses on punishing and destroying humans for their sin or a God who is so full of justice that he's willing to let his son die on the cross in this act of ultimate love and mercy. That's the amazing thing about God is it's two sides of the coin. He's always full of justice and God still punishes sin. If you're in sin here today, there's a good chance the difficulties in your life could be because God is punishing you right now for your sin as I have been punished in my life at times for sin in my life. God punishes sin. If if you're dealing through stuff, it can probably be traced back for a lot of times to your sin. Not always, but a lot of times it can be. So God punishes sin. If you don't accept Jesus and you die, you, you receive God's punishment. But everyone had a chance for Jesus. Everyone had a chance for the cross. Everyone had a chance to accept Jesus. And that is God's justice and mercy. He's always working towards it. And I love that about God. He never contradicts himself. He is always just and he is always merciful. It's two sides of the same coin. So what view is right? Like when it comes to sin, like how should we view sin? Should we have liberty or license? What's, what are those? License is like, just sin, no big deal. Like, who cares? Just go for it. Just do whatever you want. You're a Christian. God will forgive you. You're going to heaven, so just live your life. Well, no, not at all. That's not how we're called to live. What about legalism? Be sinless or he won't love you. Be sinless or he won't accept you. That's not the truth either. So what is it? The fear of the Lord is saying I understand that God loves me despite my sin. He loves me even though I sin. And I understand he paid the price for me on the cross. And I understand that he's desperately fighting to free me from the sin in my life right now. And so I realize that and I respect it. 
I'm not just like, thanks for the get out of hell free card, Jesus. Now I'm gonna go do what I want. I realize the, the weight of what he did on the cross. I understand what happened there. And I understand that my own sin, it, it, when, I, when it's done willingly, is a slap in the face to the Lord. I've used this illustration before, but it'd be like, you know, for those of you guys who've studied World War II, the Jewish people during that time were just terrorized by the Nazis in Germany. The Nazis kicked down doors, kidnapped families, dragged them off to concentration camps. They would bring them in and say, hey, we're going to give you a shower to clean you off. And they'd bring them in, and all of a sudden, poisonous gas would come out. Literally, I've seen pictures. I've actually been to concentration camps and seen the ruins. And I've seen pictures of bodies piled up just higher than these lights, just giant piles of dead bodies, just horrible, horrible, horrible things done to the Jewish people. And the symbol that represented it was the swastika, just this, this, this symbol that actually started out as a symbol of peace but was perverted by Hitler to be this thing where you look at it and you just you think of horrible death and violence and terrible things that have happened. That's the swastika. So think of this, a, a, a Jewish boy or girl, a teenage boy or girl who had parents who went through the concentration camps. They were captured by Hitler. They went through the concentration camps. They saw friends and family die and get put to death. They survived. They got through it. And now you as the teenage son or daughter, because you want to be edgy and because you just want to live your life, you get a swastika tattoo right there in your neck where everyone can see it. What a slap in the face that would be to those parents who survived the concentration camp. None of you guys would do that. Like, even if you guys want tattoos, which is rad, tattoos are fine. But if, if, if you did that and you got that swastika tattoo, like everyone, all your friends, like even your gnarliest friend would be like, dude, you're a jerk. When we live in sin, like not just like secret like sin that we struggle through or even open sin where we're like, we're repentant, we're asking for help. I'm talking about when you are just sinning out in the open and you don't care and your friends come to you and say, hey, you should stop this. And you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. When you're sinning just out in the open and you know it's wrong and you don't care, it's like walking around with that swastika tattoo and God is the parent who went through the cross for you and you're wearing that sin like a tattoo on your neck where everyone can see it. We do this to the Lord. We all have done this at different points in our life. Guys, we need to understand his love and his justice and we need to live in reverent fear of the Lord. What is fear? It's not It's not God's gonna get me. God's coming after me. He's gonna kill me. God's gonna destroy me. No, listen, it's understanding that he could destroy you, but he had every right to destroy you and me, but he saved us at his own expense. It's keeping that always in our mind. When I was talking to my small group about this last week about how, um, remember in the questions we were talking about like what things do you guys do just as tradition and what things do you guys do for the Lord? As a pastor's kid, there were so many things in my life that I just did for tradition, constantly, all the time, because um, I just grew up doing it. Communion was one of those things. Honestly, whenever I was at church and the pastor was doing like a communion message, I would just tune out. And the Lord just convicted me and was like, you know what, stop doing this for tradition and realize what this is. And so now every time I do communion, when I have that cup and I have that bread, I remember that his body was crushed for me. I remember that his blood was spilt for me. I start thinking about my week and the sins that I've done throughout the week. And I bring them to Jesus and I lay them at his feet and I say, God, this was what you did for me. Thank you so much. And guys, when we do it that way, when we constantly are preaching the gospel to ourselves, seriously, it's life changing. Guys, we need this is, this is how I would define the fear of the Lord, guys, a couple of different ways. A healthy respect, a fierce loyalty, and a great love. This is gonna be key for tonight, guys. 
Remember this. In fact, we're gonna repeat it. Remember this. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Everyone say that with me, okay? Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. I'll put this like as an illustration with like a human. Um, So there are some humans in my life. That sounds weird. I sound like an alien like talking like, there are some humans in my life. I have been studying them. Um, No, Um, there are some humans in my life who I really fear, not in the sense that I'm terrified of them, but I, it's almost weird to use that word in a human context. I love them and I respect them. Uh, one guy like that is a guy named Trevor O'Keefe. Um, Trevor used to be the junior high pastor for some of you guys. I think when you guys were in sixth grade, um, he left and I took over. Uh, but I was with Trevor for years. I started with Trevor when I was 15 um, as a volunteer and you know, he trained me in junior high ministry. He taught me so much. He gave me opportunities. He had me plan events. Um, he had me teach Bible studies, even when I was not at all prepared to do so. Um, he counseled me and he encouraged me. Um, when I was getting married to Brooklyn, when we were engaged, he gave me so much good advice. Um, he fired me uh, from being a counselor, which was the best thing for me. I was so bad. I was late to everything. I slept during the Bible studies. Like I was literally the worst counselor of all time. Um, Every counselor I've ever worked with has been miles ahead of where I was when I first started as a responsible human being. And after he fired me, he, he gave me mercy and he brought me back and I've been here ever since. He's someone I, I love and I respect so much and, and I respect him in a way uh, and he's one of my best friends now in ministry. When I was working for him, I was always concerned about letting him down. Not because he put that pressure on me but because I looked up to him so much. I was like, man, I wanna do whatever I can not to let this guy down because I respect him so much. So when it comes to God, Think about it. Do you have someone like that in your life? Maybe a coach or a parent or a sibling or maybe an upperclassman or, or a friend or someone in your life that you look up to so much. Do you, or maybe it's a girl in your class that like you really want to impress or a guy that you really want to like you. you know, do you have that mentality where it's like, I just want them to like me. Like, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of them. Are we that way with God? The God who loves us, like, do we look up to him in such a way where we're like, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to sin because it breaks God's heart. I don't want to do the things that hurt him because he was hurt for me. He took the cross for me. He shed tears for me. He sweat blood for me. I don't want to do these things because what it does to Jesus Guys, if we don't think of it that way, then this is just a religion that you're a part of. I want you guys to understand that. If there's no Jesus in your Christianity, then it's just, it's all fake. It's all fake unless Jesus is the central part of your Christianity. Not as someone you listen to Bible studies about, not as someone that you sing songs about, but someone that on a daily basis you are talking to and relating to and hearing from and listening to and being guided by. Is Jesus the center of your Christianity? Guys, is there anyone in your life that you wanna try hard not to let down? I, I hope for you guys, most of all, it's Jesus. And guys, sometimes we engage in accidental sin. It's called sins of omission. It, it means when you sin and you didn't really know you were sinning, you make a mistake. Guys, every, everyone does that, you know? Um, I did that once with Trevor. I remember Trevor took me out to lunch and... Uh, I have always been bad 
at remembering things. I leave my keys everywhere. I leave my stuff everywhere. So we're both working at the church. I'm the graphics guy, and he is the junior high pastor at the time. And he wants to take me out to lunch. Um, Well, actually, he didn't want to pay for me. He just wanted us to go out to lunch together. So we went out, and we're getting ready to pay, and we've got separate checks. And I go, oh, Trevor, I forgot my wallet. He's like, you know what, man? Don't worry about it. And he paid for me. So about a month later, he takes me out for lunch again, and we're sitting there, and the checks come, and I reach for my wallet, and it's gone, and he just looks at me, and he's like, are you serious? And he had to pay for me again, and you know, he was totally cool about it, but it just, I realized, I was like, man, it's not that like I purposely did this. It's not like I was like, ooh, I'm going to make Trevor pay for me. I'm that, that guy. I'm going to go out. I'm going to order everything on the menu, and I'm going to make him pay. That wasn't my mentality. It wasn't like I'm going to willfully sin but I didn't care enough, I didn't respect him enough to remember my wallet and to put in that extra effort. Guys, sometimes we're like that with God. Sometimes it's not that we're willingly going out of our way to sin, it's that we're not caring enough about God's heart to search our heart and say, God, is there things that I'm doing in my life that are sin? Is there things that maybe I'm not even thinking of that are sinful? Like, God, show me. Or give me the courage to go to my youth leaders or, or my parents and say, I'm doing this thing. I don't know if it's wrong. I've got this weird feeling in my heart. Can you tell me about this? But so many times we're content just to continue in sin. Sometimes we sin willingly against God. Sometimes we literally say, I know this is sin, but God will forgive me, so I'll just keep doing it. Guys, are, are you convicted tonight? Are you here, are you, are you distracting your friends and talking to them and things like that? Or are you convicted? If you're convicted tonight, listen, you need to fear the Lord. You need to love him and respect him. I wanna to read to you guys from the book of Proverbs um, because Proverbs shows us in several verses that fear of God is, it's not a bad thing. Proverbs shows us that it's a good thing. Fear of the Lord leads us to good things. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So many people have that backwards. So many people think, you know what? I have it figured out. So I'll ignore what God says. Myself, I am the beginning of wisdom. What I know, what I think, what I've researched on the internet, like my, what, I'm, I'm smart, what I've talked to my friends. I'm gonna make these decisions in my life and I'm gonna cut God out of the picture because I know best. Guys, how prideful is that for us to do that? To not involve God, to not seek him, to not in all of our ways acknowledge him and let him direct our path. The Bible says the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of Wisdom, wisdom it's literally saying wisdom starts with love and respect for God. Do you guys wanna be wise? Do you wanna go through your life and have wisdom to make good decisions that affect your future? It begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 27 says this, the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh is a fountain of life. It's like a literal river of life flowing out of us. Are you here tonight and do you feel dead inside? Have you been in sin and there's just this deadness inside of you? Let the fear of the Lord be a river of life that washes the poison of sin out of you and cleanses you. That's what you need, the fear of the Lord, not a 12-step program, not some book. You need the fear of the Lord. That's step one. Get your heart realigned in the right place where you see God for who he is. Proverbs 22:4 says this, true humility, so truly being humble, 
and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life or eternal life, I would say. Guys, the fear of God is not something we run for, from. It's something we step into, guys. We step in to the fear of the Lord. Here's what it is. Here's what the fear of the Lord is, guys. It's saying, it's talking to the Lord and it's saying things like, God, I love you. And I understand that you have made a way for me to communicate with you. Like before, I could not talk to you. There was a wall between us because of my sin. But God, because of you, now I can enter boldly into your throne room. Every time you just get on your knees, or not, like I'm not even gonna use that wording because it's super religious and it makes people feel like getting on your knees is more spiritual. You can literally pray and talk to the Lord walking around with your eyes open, with your lips moving. You can pray laying on your bed. Like getting on your knees is awesome, it's respectful, but I just want you guys to know you have unlimited access to the Lord. You can talk to him anywhere, anytime, Anyhow, you can enter boldly into the throne of the Lord where once people had to work very hard to get into God's presence. And then you say this, you say, God, you created me to know me. And so now I really wanna know you. God, I really, really want to know you deeper. I want to know you more personally. I want to know you better, God. You say this, you say, God, I realize and respect who you are. You are Yahweh, the God of the universe, the God who, when there was nothing, spoke the planet and the cosmos and dark matter. And uh, what was that thing we were talking about? Biggs Hosen or something like that. What's that thing called? Hogs Bison? I don't know. Wow, I'm embarrassing myself. You guys are like, what are Aaron and Dylan talking about? Higgs Bison? Higgs Bison. Sounds French. Anyway, Bison? So you say to the Lord, though, I know who you are. You're the God who made the universe, the God who made everything. And I don't deserve anything, God, but you gave me what I didn't deserve, and I love you for it. What do we say? Loving God plus what? Respecting God is the fear of the Lord. So here's the thing. Guys, listen. Here's the thing. If you truly fear God, you're going to obey him. If you truly fear God, you're going to obey him. That's what Jesus said to his disciples sitting around the fire. It was just like this. It was a morning. Jesus and his disciples were eating fish, sitting around the fireplace. Peter says, Jesus, I love you. Jesus says, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Jesus says, then keep my commandments. Do what I say. Fear of the Lord leads to obedience. Guys, I'm almost done. Keep it together. Listen, when I fear the Lord, I will obey him. When I fear the Lord, I will obey him. When I care more about what breaks God's heart, I will obey him. When I understand the weight of his sacrifice and what he did, I will obey him. And when I truly understand who he is, I will obey him. I think one of the best examples is in Genesis 22. You've got Abraham. Abraham's this guy following the Lord. This is before the Bible. This is before the Jews. This is before Israel. It's literally just Yahweh picks this man named Abraham wandering around in the middle of this land named Uz. And he says, Abraham, I want you to follow me. And Abraham, ooze, or ooze, I don't know. 
But he says, Abraham, I want you to follow me. And Abraham does. Abraham walks with God. And Abraham's greatest desire is to have a son, guys. Uh, you guys, I don't know if any of you guys are at the point now where you're like, I want a son. Like you're in high school, but maybe some of you guys have thought about it and you're like, dude, I want a little dude. So I can like hang out with him and play football and play video games and eat bacon. You know, maybe that's you. Maybe you've always wanted to be a dad. That's Abraham. He's always wanted to be a dad. And God comes to him and says, Abraham, you're going to be a dad. And Abraham goes, I'm like a billion years old and my wife's like two billion years old. So how's that going to work, God? I don't know if you understand how that stuff works. And God says, it's going to be okay. You guys are going to have a son. And so Abraham waits and waits and waits for years and years and years. And then finally, finally, God provides this son, Isaac, this amazing boy. And Abraham's overjoyed and Isaac grows into his teenage years and Abraham's so proud. He's looking at his son, Isaac, and he's like, Isaac, you will be the father of many nations. Like, you're my son. Like, we're gonna start this thing together. And then what happens? What does God ask Abraham to do? Sacrifice your son. Go and kill your son. Guys, okay, this is one of those things in the Bible that like, I feel like we don't really ever think of. Like, we just go over and we're like, oh yeah, it's in the Bible, makes sense. Okay, if... If God told me to kill one of you guys, like just sacrifice you on Wednesday night, and then I did it, you guys wouldn't be like, Aaron, it's so great that you obeyed the Lord. I would go to jail. <laughs> like even if God actually told me to do that, you guys wouldn't believe it and you'd, you'd be traumatized for life and it, it would be terrible, right? Abraham was told to kill his son, to kill his son. I wouldn't, but Abraham... It's crazy. He has so much love and respect and fear for the Lord that he obeys. It's, it's craziness. And so the story goes, he takes Isaac up the mountain and he goes to the place of sacrifice and he lays Isaac on the altar and he lifts up the knife and he's about to stab his son and the angel of the Lord appears and says, Abraham, stop, don't kill your son. And then he says something interesting. He says, Abraham, now I know that you fear God because you did not withhold your son, your prized possession. Guys, if fear meant, now I know that you're terrified of God, like that's when I first read it. Like that's what I thought because he's about to kill his son and then the angel's like, now I know you're scared of God. And he's like, yes, I am. Like, why is he telling me to kill him? This is crazy. No, like what it's saying is now I know that you love and respect God. Now I know that you have a deep, fear for him, such a high respect that you're willing to do something so crazy as killing your only son. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Guys, the key is obedience. The greatest evidence for the fear of God in your life is obedience. Not partial obedience, like, oh, I'll kind of obey God. I'll obey the parts that are easy, but the parts that are hard, I'll skip. Not delayed obedience, like I'll obey one day when I'm 17 or 18 or when I'm out of high school, but it's too hard to obey right now. I need these things in my life. No, we're talking about obedience that is quick and immediate and cheerful. A yes, a, a trusting of the Lord. The greatest evidence for the fear of God in your life is your obedience. I read a quote from Pastor Ray Pritchard who said this, the fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. What is the fear of God? It is an ongoing surrender, a continuous ongoing surrender. The posture of my heart 
to surrender to God, it moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be so much easier to do something else. Guys, we're not talking about customized Christianity. We're not talking about, I'll take this part of God and not this part of God. We're talking about fully submitted, wholly surrendered devotion to the Lord and life of Jesus. It's saying to Jesus, I wanna honor you more than I care about myself. It's not my will, God, it's your will. Because I love you, because I respect you, therefore I fear you with a reverence and awe and fear. Because I fear the Lord, I wanna obey the Lord. And tragically today, guys, listen, please listen. We see so much the opposite. We see the customized Christianity. We see I'll serve you, God, but I'm still gonna sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend. We say, you know what, God, I'll I'll follow you, uh, but I'm not gonna stop watching porn because it's just kind of how I deal with the issues that I'm going through and it's just what I'm gonna do. It's saying, I'll follow you, God, but I'm not gonna stop smoking weed. Even though my parents don't want me to, even though I've been told by people that it's like drunkenness and the Bible tells us not to be drunk, you know what? They just legalized it in California, so party on, I'm gonna go for it. You know what? It's sin. This, when we say this is my life and I don't care and I'm not surrendering my area of that life, God, that's a, guys, that's a problem. When we say I won't surrender that area of my life, God, you can have everything, take my heart, God, but not that. I won't give that up. I'll say the whole prayer thing and I'll go to church every now and then, but I'm not gonna surrender every area of my life. We, we say, God, that'd be ridiculous for you to ask me to surrender everything. And in other words, we're saying, I believe in God, but I do not fear him. This is a modern day tragedy that is passing off for Christianity when reality is something very far away from the teachings of Christ. Again, guys, I don't wanna get legalistic, but at the same time, I don't want to move it over to license, as in just do whatever you want because both of those things are lies. License is lies and liberty is lies. Or not, license and legalism are both lies. I want to say this in my life. Because of God's goodness, I wanna serve him with my whole heart. Because of the grace of Jesus, my only reasonable response is to love him as a heavenly father, but also to respect him as the Lord of creation. Because I fear God, I will obey him. So the end of this message is basically me asking the question, or maybe you asking the question, so what? So what? What what is this? Is this just a bunch of words? Like, so what? Guys, it's important when you hear messages that these are not just words to you that go in one ear and out the other. We have to ask the question, like, so what now? We're sitting in a circle We've heard the word of God, so so what? Guys, this time right now at the end of this message, this is where you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and for you to obey him. Because the question is, what are you gonna do about it? What we've talked about tonight, the question that I'm leaving you with is, what are you going to do about this message? If If your answer is nothing, then just call it what it is. You believe God, but you don't fear him. If you've got sins in your life, but there's no conviction at these words, then just call it what it is. You you believe in God, but you don't really fear him. But listen, if that's you, I think the Holy Spirit has been working on you this entire night because he wants to help you. He wants to lead you to the place of honoring God. So what does that look like? Just to throw out a few examples, what does that look like? Well, maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're dating somebody who's not good for you. And I just want you guys to know, 
This isn't like me like thinking about your specific boyfriends and girlfriends and saying, I'm going to say something to get them break up. I don't even really know half of you guys who are dating people. Like, I don't even really know the people that you're dating. I don't know those situations. So this is just for you to think about. Maybe you're here tonight and you're dating someone who's not good for you. Like, they're causing you to sin. Maybe they don't even follow Jesus and they're pulling you away from the Lord. They're causing you to do things that you know are wrong. And there's some sort of satisfaction you get out of it, whether it's physical or emotional or something. You, you, maybe you truly love this person, but they're pulling you away from Jesus and his plans for you. I'm just telling you straight up, like what this looks like, obedience, is breaking up with that person. Like I know that's hardcore, but this could save your life, honestly. I've seen so many people dragged down by the people that they dated because those people wanted nothing to do with Jesus and you've got girls dragging guys to church, but it never works. It never works unless that guy really wants to be there. God has called you to so much more. Maybe you're here tonight and, and maybe you're in a relationship and, and it's gotten physical in some way. And, you know, there's so much good in that, in the sense that God designed it that way, but it's for marriage. And you're engaging in things that are wrong. And it tears you away from the heart of God and it brings you so much guilt and shame. And you know it's wrong and you've said, we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop, we're not gonna do this anymore. And then you just keep giving in. And you haven't asked for help. And you've been prideful and tried to fix it on your own. What obedience looks like is you go sooner than later, maybe even tonight, and you confess and you say, we need help. We need help. You go to your parents, you go to your youth leader here or North Coast or wherever else you go, like you go to someone who loves you and you say, I need help. We love each other, but we wanna do this the Lord's way. Maybe you've got bad friends. You know, I've never been one to talk about how, you know, you guys need to only hang out with Christians. Like you just need to be in Christian bubbles your whole life. Make sure you go to Christian colleges. Make sure you go to church at like five different churches. So every night of the week, you're like out at some church and you never go anywhere that's not Christian. Like I've never been that guy because I don't think that's what we're called to do. I think Christians are called to be lights in the darkness out in the world with non-Christians all the time. But if you're in a group of friends that doesn't follow Jesus and they're sucking you into that world, of drugs or alcohol or partying or even just like really perverted jokes or, or, or sexual language or, or, or rebellion against your parents. Like, like when you're with them, you just become a different person and they twist you into something that does not reflect the follower of Jesus that you're called to be. You know what? God's calling you to leave that group of friends for a time, to get out, go be with Jesus, get around people who encourage you, get strong, and then go back and be a missionary to that group. But right now you're not strong enough. And right now you need to surrender those friends to the Lord and trust that he'll take care of them instead of you trying to save everybody because really you're just gonna get dragged down. Maybe tonight the Lord's calling you to give up an idol, some sin in your life. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's pot. Maybe it's like whatever, fill in the blank. There's so many sins. But there's something in your life and you're justifying it. You're like, it's not that bad. It's just me. No one else knows. I'm just gonna keep doing it because God will forgive me. And you're, you're ruining what God is trying to do in your life. You're allowing Satan into your heart like Judas did. And that can only go on so long before you betray Jesus. It's heavy, but it's true. 
So get right with the Lord. Give it up. Give it up. Is it worth that much that you gotta hold on to it that desperately? Give it up. For some of you guys, obedience, it's not so much what you have to give up, but it's something positive in the sense of you need to respond to what God's doing in your life. Some of you guys, God wants you to start something. He wants you to start a Bible study with your friends. But we already go to Wednesday night and Sunday. You know what? Maybe God has been telling you for years that you need to get coffee with three of your friends and study the Bible with each other. Oh my goodness, what an amazing thing that can do. So there's something that happens when you choose to follow Jesus outside of this context, where you choose to be a leader with your friends. Maybe God wants some of you guys to start Christian clubs at your schools where there are no Christian clubs. Maybe God wants you to start something with your family. For some of you guys, maybe God wants you to go somewhere. God is calling you. You you guys are getting older, or maybe you're even freshmen, but some of you guys, you know, you're seniors, you're juniors, you're looking towards the future. Your parents have said, you're gonna go to this college. We've got everything lined up. Future looks good. And you're like, I think God wants me to go to Africa or some random place. You feel like God is calling you, but there's so many doubts because it's like, if I obey God, if I step out in faith, it doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense relationally. It doesn't make sense timeline-wise. Like everything doesn't add up. And God's saying to you like Abraham, just go, just trust. He's not gonna give you every step of the way, but he's gonna show you the next step. Will you obey? For some of you guys, men, I'll talk to the men here for a second. For some of you men, maybe there's a girl And God has put her on your heart to pursue her as a potential wife one day. But that scares you because she's not into you. She doesn't like you. And it seems impossible. Now listen, there's a fine line between what your flesh is telling you and what God is telling you. Just because you're attracted to someone doesn't mean it's the Lord. So keep that in mind. Seek the Lord about this. But guys, my best friend, when he was in 10th grade, we were at a camp and God told him one day he'd marry this girl named Mandy she like hated him for years. Like she wanted nothing to do with him. He like wrote her love songs. He like did all these romantic things and she just did not want anything to do with her. But he didn't give up. God said, and he wasn't like a creepy stalker. Sometimes he was, but for the most part he wasn't. God said, don't give up. And he didn't. And now they've been married for like three or four years. It's fantastic. God made it happen. So guys or girls, listen, there might be someone God is putting on your heart to say, I want you to pray for this person. Even just that, like not go up and say, hey, let's go out. But like, <laughs> just to pray for them. To like, like to, some of you guys are total flirts and you're like, I will date anything that moves as long as they're into me. Um, <laughs> maybe God is telling you to stop, cut that out. <laughs> Focus. And just pray for that one person God has put on your heart. Because it's really hard to focus on the one that God has for you if you're just open to any and every person that comes along. And maybe for some of you guys, God is calling you guys to straight up share the gospel. What? Like outside of Saturday evangelism with Aaron where we go to Encinitas? We haven't done that in a while. We really need to. It's so fun. But to go out yourself, like to go to the skate park, to go to the mall, like to just go to just grab your friends, get in your car and drive down Encinitas or go back to Imperial Beach or heck, go to Vista, go to downtown Vista or go to your town Carlsbad, wherever you live and say, we're gonna go without Aaron, without the youth group. Like we're just gonna go and we're gonna share the gospel. Guys, you have seen people get saved through this group doing that. Why not you go do it? Why wait for that once a month time that we did? We haven't even done it in a while. Why not just go? If you only do these things in the context of church, it's, never, it's not gonna happen. 
God's calling us to do this all the time. Step out in faith. So I don't know what God has for you, but tonight we're going to close in a song. And I think God said a lot of different things to people tonight. And I'm going to trust that whatever he had for you, that he is going to, while we sing this song, help seal it in your heart. Here's what I want us to do. As we're singing this last song, I want you guys, guys just to pray. And as you're singing the song, just tell the Lord, God, I'm open. I'm open to obey. What do you want me to do? And I would just, I would, all of you guys, even if you're here and you're like, I'm perfectly fine. I have not sinned at all in like the last year. And I do everything God wants me to do. And I won all the Bible trivia games at my Christian school. And I'm amazing. Like, that's, like, just, just stop. You're kidding yourself. Here's what you do. Everybody, myself included, counselors included, here's what we do. While Scott's playing this song, ask, your, ask the Lord these questions. God, how can I obey? Is there anything you want me to give up? Is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anything I need to do? Ask him these things. Let's give this time to him, okay, guys? Lord, we love you. We surrender this time to you. Search our hearts, God. God, help us not to be Christian atheists who believe in you, but we don't fear you. You've done so much for us. You're amazing. You're fantastic. You could literally obliterate our planet with a snap of your fingers, but you keep us alive for some reason because you love us. Thank you for that, God. Help us to live with a respect for you, a love for you, a fear of you. Not being terrified, God, but showing you so much reverence. Right now, God, search our hearts. If there's anything in us that needs to change, help us to obey. Help us to obey. Thank you, Lord. In your name, amen.